Working with Warriors podcast by the team at the Regional Men's Health Initiative. Hello and welcome. My name is Owen Caddo and today I'm joined by fellow team members Terry Melrose and Glenn Duncan. And how are you going guys? Good thanks Owen. G'day Owen, how are you today? Yeah good. Look this podcast is session number 13 and, and we're really talking about what primary care is and, and why we focus on community in, in that role of primary care and uh, I guess we talk about it's ordinary people looking after their mates via those connections through family, community groups and the workplace and then we're going to talk about really what it, how we interpret what it is and also explain a primary care approach when we're dealing with people in distress. So the premise of I, I guess the work we do wherever we are is that that primary care is those ordinary people, all of us, looking after our mates and and the fact that we have to look after ourselves first. Yeah, no, and that's a really important point, I think, before we can be in the, the headspace to, to pick up on other people's cues or actively listen. And, and we've got to under, remember, it does take, uh, you know, that energy and um, concentration to, to be present with someone. So if we're not in the right headspace ourselves, we're, we're not fully fully there for someone else. So really important that we, we look after ourselves first and acknowledge our own sort of vulnerabilities or weaknesses or if we're not travelling well ourselves. And up front... Glenn, it's not about being an expert or or having some titles to our name. It's just about only having some empathy and being able to listen. Yeah, it just just being able to listen is a, a, a massive skill. And I, I, I suppose that, that what you were saying about not being an expert, I, you could take back to the point that no matter how much funding is thrown at any any issue, there's never going to be enough for there to be an expert on every corner. But there is someone on every corner that, that sort of knows us. Uh, or, or is somebody who can see see that things might have changed for us or see that we're having a struggle. So ordinary people looking after their mates and family and, and sort of stepping forward to check in is, is super important. And, and empathy, when we talk about empathy, that, that's making the difference or noting the difference between empathy and sympathy. It's not feeling sorry for someone, it's seeing the world through their eyes. Yeah. And I think our, our, our vision's always been about empowering men and communities to take responsibility for their health and well-being. And I think a big part of that is our, our community and our mates, you know, health and well-being as well. So I think that, that empowerment demedicalises, you know, those things and empowers ordinary people just to recognise that significant contribution they can make. Um, and, but it's not, not neglecting or not saying that the professionals aren't important in this picture. You know, they're definitely very much of the... the you know, working hand in hand, but but it starts with I think people, those around us, as you said, family, community, group, and workplace. Really important, and I I think change and societal change happens bottoms up. It's never tops down, and and so that applies to physical health, mental health, and what have you. And I guess behind that, we just talk about primary care and that research around it that says that ninety percent of suffering through traumatic experiences in our life can be resolved by having a cuppa. A hug, I always acknowledge you've got to watch who you hug, but in a talk to a caring friend or other ordinary human being who knows how to listen. So that is that we have to really take that aboard, that all of us, no matter what language we use or in return in speaking to someone, but if we've got that empathy and the ability to listen, and whether that's 10 minutes or an hour to someone... At wherever it may be, in the shopping centre, on the back of a bloody ute or, or at a gig you're at or playing sport in your footy team or in your social club, 
that we owe it to ourselves. It's not part of another job. It's just part of we want it to be part of our makeup. Yeah, we, and, uh, yeah, and that and that empathy is being the sort of is being the key part to the, the the fear about not being an expert. It sometimes puts people off going, or do I ask them because I don't know if I've got the got the answers here. But it, that's not what it's about. You can share share the journey and 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 listen and listen to them empath- empathetically, um, and that that'll that is just a massive part in sort of sharing the load with them. So what what is primary care and uh, uh, Sometimes it's a bit, it's a hard thing to point, but we, we need to just work on the premise that that after traumatic events and, and we know that with fires and bushfires and floods that the most sustainable source of recovery comes from within and it comes from the support of the community and from other other members in that community. So the first thing is is starting a conversation with someone. If you've got a gut feel that someone's struggling in whatever capacity in their life and just out of some genuine empathy you've got to ask we can never ask the wrong thing in essence and we know the research tells us that the person who is struggling wants to be asked that's what it tells that's what it tells us no matter what they're struggling from and the, the research does point to that but even still they might they might initially be standoffish or tell you to go away, but I think we're all big enough to to cope with that because the the needs there and that person is is actually really hanging out for us to to ask the question of them, but they might not acknowledge it initially. Uh, and and then we we say we need to listen, listen, and listen even more. And you know we talk about active listening in some of the work we do, and and the the most powerful point about communication is is listening. Listening to the words that are spoken, but picking up on those those nonverbal cues. So, you know, you like a bloke how he's going, and yeah, I'm all right, but eyes start welling up, or you know, looks a bit red or flushed in the face. So, don't take sometimes that that answer if we know, you know, there's other cues there that go with that word, and 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 sometimes not pressuring people, but we do have to sometimes ask some follow up questions. And a really good point, Terry, because we do a lot of our primary care face to face. And we do a lot over the phone and we know that face-to-face stuff is where you can pick up those other cues and, and pretty important. And then we've got that word empathy, which we have explained, but it, it can't be explained enough, can it? It can't be emphasised enough. Empathy is not a not a course you can go and do. Empathy is something that's innate in your in body and trying to, trying to feel, hear and see that person's traumatic expense through your own eyes, heart and and being involved in that conversation, that's active listening. So it's something that I worry about now that where people watch a lot of things rather than reading a lot of things. When you watch, you tend to be a viewer of events, whereas when people used to read a lot, you'd be when you read, you see things through other people's eyes, and that's essentially what empathy is. So um, the the old English teacher in me is encouraging people to read because that ability to see things through other people's eyes is really helpful in, in the work that we're doing. Yeah, you're right. And I guess another important area of primary care is is actually giving permission to someone, which is what we say we do a lot in our work, is actually just giving blokes permission to talk about stuff and going on in their life. But it's actually getting permission as well from individuals. How do you see that, Terry? Yeah, look, uh, quite often acknowledging that someone, it, it is awkward to, to, you know, 
approach someone, you feel like you might be sticking your nose in their business. So there is going to be a little bit of anxiety on that behalf, but but feeling confident or using that as a bit of a driver to get where you want to go. So because of that hesitance, quite often people do say to us, you know, can you cold call someone or I'm worried about this bloke, but but putting the emphasis back on them that the fact, you know, you're in their circle, um, who's that person going to want to have some concern shown by a complete stranger cold calling them or, or someone in that circle? So so giving them permission and options where to go for help. But another option is, is saying, look, there's, there's, we know these, this service, you know, vouching for a counsellor or a support service or a helpline and saying, you know, with your permission, can we maybe go to them? Can we get your details to pass on to them? And quite often services are more likely to call someone if they got that permission from the individual. And, and under that permission and getting permission and giving permission, you know, we, we know we've always got number one referral is to doctors and GPs. And and if it's a real emergency primary care situation, well, there's always triple zero and that we can enact to, to get that immediate help. And to finish on what primary care is, I reckon we've, we've this, this statement about conversations making a difference and conversation can change someone's life. So that's really important. It's a really important statement that a conversation can change someone's life. I always say a conversation can't save a life because only I can save my own life, but a conversation can change a life. And sometimes we see it immediately, but we know we leave information with people and they go away and 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 they talk about it and do something about it. Yeah, it's a bit of that uh, planting the seed and it's no different to mentoring. You know, we might have a conversation with a, a younger bloke and and quite often you know if he's spinning a few lies or over exaggerating things to you but through talking it through him they'll go away and and they will they will reflect on things you've said or what they've given them um so in that space they can sort of work out well what's really going on here in my own head it helps facilitate that that help seeking process yep and then we always get people with a, a fair bit of difficult stuff and distress in their lives in their life and so dealing with people in distress and, and still adopting this primary care approach is, is pretty important. And, and when we go down that line, where there's some real good guidelines for us, when I say us, us as a community in that community setting of family, workplace and community group to, um, to take when you're, when you're talking about these issues. And, and, and some of the points are like, like who owns the problem? We've got to be really clear on that with, with, um, with whoever we're talking to. I know we like to use that analogy of uh, the kid learning to drive on the farm and, and, and being in the ute and walking next to them. You sort of you walk next to them with the window down, but it's that ownership thing's about you're not, you're not getting in the ute. Who owns the problem is, is, uh, is paramount. Starting up the conversation, you know, talking it out. Um, it's important to ask, so I think sometimes those open-ended questions, are you okay, sometimes may not cut it, but, you know, how are you feeling? What's bothering you? How long have you felt this way? And, you know, looking at that the specific problem, you know, what, what other problems is this creating for you? Where's it affecting you? Is it your health? Is it in your mental health? Is it your, your relationships? Uh, you know, your work output? And, and sort of opening up the conversation that way, I think, helps a little bit. It does, Terry, and and the other points that we talk about are, are being, um, you know, non-judgmental, and and it's not about fixing things because we know that that person who we're talking to and wants to, you know, spill their guts and talk about stuff is they've got their own solutions, but it's it is validating and acknowledging what is going on in their life, and we can do that by listening.
Yeah, and, and as blokes, we can be guilty of, of wanting to fix things because it's sort of hardwired into our nature to go through the checklist. Just or, ask our partners or look yeah. on the fridge list, to-do list. <laughs> well, and it goes back to that point, Glenn, of you know, not pretending to be the expert. You know? You're yeah. not there to make choices for them, make, um, but it's helping them decide what to do next. You know? It is their decision and finding out what they're actually willing to do. Um, is really important to help with that, well, we said giving and getting permission, um, leading to them on that right help-seeking pathway. I think we said it earlier, but we, we've got to remind ourselves in conversations, and, and we've always probably been in conversations where, like dealing with someone with a lot of distress is, how deep do I go or do I ask, do I not ask, is he going to think I'm a dickhead or whatever, but we we just know that that person wants us to ask. So... I say to people, just ask or speak to that person in your own language. We don't need Dick Dora language and training. We just need to speak it in your language, whether I'm gruff or or polite or whatever. The point is we ask. That makes our concern and our empathy quite genuine too because if we were bunging it on to to be something that we're not, then that's when it's it's not going to be genuine. But our genuine concern is, is, is the real panacea. It's the thing that's going to really help. Yep, and it, and it, I guess that reflects too. If people aren't in a safe place and ready to talk, they're going to tell you to get stuffed or you know, or or not or not want to disclose. Whereas if they can see that it's a two-way thing, well, well, more likely to disclose and have a genuine conversation. Well, and and about being non-judgmental, um, it's not about trying to fix the problem from your view, is it? And it comes back to that point of just allowing them to speak and listening and listening and through that process, you know, that quite often they'll answer their own problems quite often through talking it out. Yep, and and blokes are always, in the work we do, I'm sure we all, all have the same opinion, but blokes quite often just seeking permission you know, and, and that validation is important. And, and when we seek, say, give permission, it's, you know, it's all right to feel that way. You know, you're, you're having a, a, your normal response to an abnormal event in your life and, and it's all right to seek professional help, whether that's the GP or, or going to the local mental health team or, or talking to a, someone that you want to confide in. So pretty important. And, and, and I guess to kind of finish up on that, we, we just say it's always important to follow up. We know in the work we do, we've got always follow up calls in our diary to to ring up and check because we're out and about dealing with a lot of people face to face but that follow up is really important and uh, you know I've never been told to get stuff once yet with a follow up call because people are genuinely chuffed that you're taking the time and effort to to show some concern yeah, I reckon follow-up does two things. Like you say, one, it shows you care. You've cared enough. You've remembered what they've said. You've followed up and checked in on them. But two, I reckon it, it can encourage them or ensure that they have taken some action because we do, you know, sometimes just to get some stuff off your chest, you feel good, um, but then you never go on and actually, you know, like you said, go to the doctors or, you know, change the way you do things. So that follow-up sort of just is that checking to make sure people have taken some proactive approach to their problem. And just like that ute analogy earlier, Glenn, where you're teaching young blokes to drive and they don't want you to get in the car because they're in full control and want to crash the bloody thing themselves or, you know, <laughs> learn themselves. But but older people and bigger people, the same, the same effect. You know, window down, they're in the ute using that analogy. You're outside. They don't want you to get in the ute. You know, they just want to spill their guts and talk about stuff with the window down and we can still have that empathy and connection with the window down. It's a little bit like the same approach that you learn when you're doing surf lifesaving where you're you sort of uh, 
in getting into the water with the the patient is, is the no no that you do everything you do everything that you can to assist them but you don't get in the water with them you try and keep that as an absolute last resort so and and look, while we've talked about primary care perhaps today you know from that mental health and well-being point of view in the majority primary care we as a society are still as the point of primary care when it comes to a whole lot of physical injuries to people because we're the people that call the ambulance we're the people that get the person with the broken leg to the ambulance and I've had that personal experience we're the person that will acknowledge someone in some pain and for whatever reason and say that's not right you need to so that primary care gambit is across you know yeah, and and we're already doing it at, at, at that level we just need to apply it yep. more to uh, when people are having situational distress or mental distress yeah Okay, thanks, guys. I think we can all play a real active role and, and, and we need to, and we do encourage buy-in at that grassroots level. So that's where change is, is going to happen. Yeah, look, and, and there is always that question from people, what if they don't want help, you know? Um, and I think it's important to acknowledge we can't force anyone to seek some help. You don't have to give, um, always have an have a outcome there and then because, like I said before, planting the seed, giving them some time to take over and think about it. And, and you've, if anything, you've provided them with that safe place, you know. So continue to support and encourage them and just remember that, that people do take time. Um, and, look, if you do want uh, an independent third party to maybe have a chat about your own stuff or, or even someone else, don't forget the old motto, before it gets too, too much, talk to a mate. And Men's Line Australia 24-7 support and advice line can be contacted on 1300 789 978. Good on you, no. Thanks, guys. And I, I just, you know, finished at primary care. We, we're all in it. Um, we're all as a community, we, we need to be involved and, um, and we can, that conversation can make a difference. So until next time, take care and um, thanks for today, guys. Thanks, Alan. Thanks, everyone. Thanks for listening to our Working With Warriors podcast series. 